Let us pray. <clears throat> Gracious Father, thank You for Your Word, for the testimony therein and the clarity of it. Help us to believe it, not try to rewrite it or force views upon it that's out of context with the Scriptures, not only overall, but with the immediate context therein. There's plenty that we don't understand or know. We understand that <clears throat> because of some of the conflicts and turmoils that's going on in the Middle East, that some people with their uh, prophetic uh, ideas and opinion have pretty well got everything figured out. But I'm persuaded that there's more that we don't know than that we do. We know that wicked men and unbelievers are not engaged in warfare for your glory. And yet, the Scriptures testify that the wrath of man praises you and the remainder you restrain. The Scriptures equally affirm that you set up kings and you bring down kings. You even set the basis of men in authority. And that the heart of the king is in your hand and you turneth it whithersoever you will. But when it comes down to the detailed actions of men, and the fulfillment of your prophetic word, unless you paint us a clear, clear, clear picture, we're still in the dark. But we know that You uphold all things by the Word of Your power, and that wicked men will not do more wickedly than what You restrain. 
And we verily believe that someday the Lord is going to return and bring everything to a close. The only kingdom that will stand is your kingdom. All others will fall in their own appointed way and time. You have set the bounds of the habitations of the nations. And we can't even figure that out sometimes. So help us to be busy serving you acceptably with reverence and godly fear in the realm or realms of where you have called us to labor. Now we ask that you would help us as we continue to study your word in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now we come to verse 14 of 1 John 4. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now you remember when John began his epistle, he made it plain that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So he opened the, uh, the epistle with those words and he's still testifying of the same thing when he said in verse 14 of the fourth chapter, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. This word foreseen is a word that has the idea to look closely at. In other words, the early apostles and the early Christians they didn't just give a brief glance, but it was an intense investigation. 
if you please. And even then, at times, they didn't understand. But it behooves us as children of God to likewise give much consideration regarding the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of our country is designated as George Washington. Naturally, we haven't seen him. We've read about him. He's a historical figure. But Jesus Christ is equally a historical figure. We have read about Him. We have not seen Him with physical eyes. But there is something that is more substantial and more real, if that be good grammar, more real, <laughs> than George Washington. George Washington was a sinner. Jesus Christ is the Son of God from all eternity and was sent into this world. George Washington was born John Jesus Christ was looked upon handled seen beheld and beloved just as literal and just as certain as you see me standing before you this afternoon, you shall indeed see the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe that? Are you looking forward to that? <clears throat> he said, we've not only seen it, we, we've testified to it. We've given witness to it. John walked and lived with Christ for approximately three to three and a half years, lay his head on his bosom, there was not any question of the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ.
We've seen him. We've testified. There's, it would be like a poor analogy, but it comes to mind at this time. There was a, uh, well, uh, since I thought of this man, I started thinking about a bunch of others. But there are some, some preachers that I have seen in the past that you haven't seen. You hear. And somebody out there in the internet, they may have uh, remember some of these or seen them, but uh, I'm thinking one of... Uh, a man by the name of Charles Talley, uh, Elder J.D. Shane, uh, Elder uh, Munsees, and some older men of that caliber. And naturally, there's uh, Brother Hunt, you have seen. But uh, when I... Uh, these men that y'all have not seen, I can say to you, I saw them. I touched them. I handled them. I've been, I've, I've eaten with them. And I, I know that they really exist or existed. Now, of course, these men were just mere men that were sinners, but when John testified of the Lord Jesus Christ as he started out in this epistle, he called the one that they he had seen and heard and handled, he was the Word of Life. He was with the Father. He was in the presence of the Father. He was the Son. Notice what it said here in uh, John 4.14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son now, it didn't say that the Father sent the Word. It didn't say the Father sent the second person of the Trinity. And though those statements uh, are true, but it said God sent the Son. In other words, this was the eternal Son of God he didn't send something to become the Son. A few years ago among uh, our denomination, and in some places it still is a source of contention, that some people would say that uh, Jesus became the Son when He was born. And they would take passages such as uh, I'll read one in Luke chapter 1. 
In Luke chapter 1, uh, I'll begin in verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, that is Mary would, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of the David of David. And then dropping down to verse thirty five, and the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And so they would say, Whatever was that was born that He was called the Son of God, and He wasn't the Son of God until He was born of, the, of flesh. Well, uh, how can you send what is not? Think about that. First John 4.14 says that the Father sent the Son. It didn't say that the Father sent the Word and He became the Son. It didn't say whatever was born uh, a Mary became the Son. He was called the Son because He was sent. He was the Son when He was sent. You can't send what is not. Can you? He sent the Son. And He was the eternal Son. Look at the Gospel of John, chapter 1. I know these passages are, you already know them. Verse 18. No, let me read verse 14 first. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In verse 18, No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. The Son declared the Father. That's in the bosom. The famous John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave His Son. And John 3.18, He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not only believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He was the eternal begotten Son.
Now, I want to be clear here. The idea is often presented that there's God the Father that is at the top, and then under God the Father is God the Son, and then under God the Son is God the Holy Spirit. And it's presented as if you had God and then God begat the Son or caused the Son to come into existence when it talks about Jesus Christ being the only begotten Son. And then later on when it talks about what we read this morning, Jesus sending the Holy Spirit and He and the Father sending the Holy Spirit, they say that then the Holy Spirit was the uh, was uh, generated from the Father and the Son. Well, I, I I don't hold to that position. I hold to the fact that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are three in one. And neither one is above the other one by nature. Obviously, the Father is by rank above the Son officially. What do I mean by that? In the army, you have different ranks and a major outranks a sergeant. Now, the sergeant may be of a better uh, makeup he might be morally better than the major. In other words, by nature, the sergeant might be superior to the major, but not officially. In his office, the major is first, and uh, the, the sergeant would be under him. By nature... God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are equal. None is above the other. But in their official capacity, in their office, obviously a father is over a son. And so when it talks about that rank of father sending the son... It's talking about in an official capacity, not in the fact that one has a superior nature than the other. And you need to keep that in mind when you're talking about the Trinity. And uh, in fact, First John 5, 7, which when we get to it, we'll cover that. That should be in the Greek text, regardless of what the modern day so-called scholars and uh critical uh, uh, Bible critics say. Uh, 
There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Jesus said, I'll send the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus said, I'll come. Showing that He and the Holy Spirit are one. But the point that we're making is that Jesus did not become the Son. He was the eternal Son of God. The Son was such the Son in eternity. And like I said, you can't sin what is not. If He became the Son, then He wasn't the Son when He was sent. He was something else. If He became the Son when He was born. So He had to be that is, He had to be in existence as the Son in order to be sent. This is very, very, very critical because you remember this morning when we said that eternal life is not just duration of life, but it's manner of life as well. It includes knowledge. This is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. It is essential that we be clear on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Savior of the world. The Savior of the cosmos. Now obviously, for any Bible reader, it is obvious that Jesus Christ is not the Savior of each and every human being that ever lived or ever will live upon this earth because Revelation tells us that there are some that will ultimately be cast into the lake of fire. Whatever your theology is, whether you are uh, believe in sovereign grace, whether you're called an Arminian or a Pelagian or semi-Pelagian or a Calvinist or a Reformer or uh, whatever you want to identify yourself as. If you're going to believe the Bible, you have to believe that somebody is going to be put in hell. Revelation nineteen and verse twenty says And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him 
with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that had worshipped his image. These both, whatever the beast is, whatever the false prophet is, these both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Revelation 20 in verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 14. And death and hell. Or we might say Hades. Were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So without question... There are some people that's going to be cast into the lake of fire along with the beast, the false prophet, the devil, death, and Hades. You say, what do you mean death and Hades going to be cast into the lake of fire? Well, there won't be any more deaths. And there won't be any place for the, the Spirit to go after death. Death and Hades. But we don't have time to cover all of that. But the point that we're wanting to make, when it says that that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, obviously that's the world of the elect. It can't be each and every human being. John chapter 10, verses 11 and 14 tell us clearly that Jesus Christ died for the sheep. He didn't die for the goats. Though we had someone that used to attend here that tried to say that there were some goats that would be saved. You see, people can come up with all kinds of ideas when they don't want to believe the Bible. Well, let's just read John 10. Might be somebody out there that hasn't heard this before. John 10 and 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep. And am known of mine. He said, I not only know the sheep, the sheep know me. And yet there are some people that say that Christ has some sheep that don't know Him. Jesus said, I know the sheep, the sheep know me. 
Who are you going to believe? I'm going to believe Jesus. You say, well, how is it that all the sheep are going to know Him? I'll leave that up to Him. Of course, there are some folks say, well, that means he'll, they'll know Him in the resurrection. But that's not what He's talking about. He's not even talking about the resurrection here. Here. You see, people can make up anything. In John chapter 6, Jesus came to give His life for the sheep that the Father had given Him. John 6, 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. Verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up again at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every child of grace will be taught of God. And every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that he will come, or that he may come, but he cometh now, present, active, in, dig, uh, 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 present, active, indicative. Cometh, present tense. In John chapter 17, in Jesus' high priestly prayer, in verse 9, Jesus said, I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which Thou hast given Me, for they are Thine. So if in John chapter 4, verse 14, where it talked about Christ being the Savior of the world, evidently it's not the world that Jesus didn't pray for, but it's the world that He did pray for. As we said before, so say we again, this is the world of of the believers, the world of the sheep, the world of the elect, of which Christ is the Savior. He saved His people from their sins. And then in verse 15, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him and He in God. You remember this word confess from the first uh, John chapter one verse nine? It's a compound word. 
It's homologio. Now that doesn't mean anything to you, but logos is word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. That's in the beginning was the logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos was God. That's the word for word. Homo is where we get our uh, 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 prefix for the same. In other words, uh, uh, well, I can't even... Uh, homosexual. don't like to use that word. Scripture word is sodomite. But homo means the same sex. Homo, one and the same. Well, homo, logio, is saying the same thing. Logos is for word. So you're saying the same word. In other words, whosoever shall confess... That is to say the same thing about Jesus being the Son of God. To say the same thing. I want to take the time to look at how this word is used a little bit to hopefully... Give it some strength. Matthew 7, And then will I profess unto them that I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. In other words, confession, profession. Matthew 10, 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. John one twenty. And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. That is, John made it. He said, I'm not the Christ. Made it clear. Chapter 9 of John. Verse 22. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess 
that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Beloved, you need to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We could give many other passages. If we're going to do a thorough study, we would. But whosoever shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that is, if you're, if you're saying the same thing about Jesus Christ that God said about Jesus Christ, if you're confessing that and you're living up to that, then God dwells in you. And you dwell in God. How do I know that God dwells in me and that I dwell in God? How do I know that? Is it by any feeling? No, what does it go back to? Knowledge. Knowledge. This is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. Again, I want to reiterate, eternal life is not just duration of life. It is the manner, the mode. It is what life is all about. It's the knowledge of life. And what word, what English word that predominates 1 John? What is 1 John about? Knowing. Knowing what? Knowing the true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. You've got to know that in order that you don't get swallowed up in Gnosticism, as he was writing against, and other things. That you might worship the true and the living God and not worship some idol. What's the last thing that John said in his epistle? In this epistle? Little children, keep yourselves from what? Idols. He summed it up. First John is essential in knowing the true God and you knowing that you are in this true God and you knowing that this true God or this Spirit, the eternal Spirit, the Spirit of God dwells in you. See, this morning we were talking about in verse 13, the Spirit of God. Here we're talking about the Son of God and God Himself dwelling in us and we in God. Jesus is the Son of God. Remember back in 1 John chapter 2 in verse 22 and 23? Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. 
He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but who, but he that acknowledgeth the Father, uh, the, uh, acknowledgeth the Son, hath the Father also. Life is more than duration. What do we, we use that all the time, do we not? You know, uh, sometimes we might be, excuse me, going on a, say, going on a vacation. And we're in a pleasant atmosphere. Uh, there's beautiful scenery in the background. And we're standing or sitting, looking out over uh, God's creation, saying, Boy, this is living. It's more than just duration. Back when I was a teenager, there was somebody came out with a song, What am I living for if not for you? That was part of the song. More than just duration. Knowledge. Knowledge. Fellowship. What am I living for if not for you? Fellowship. Communion. Knowing the true God and, he, and, and, and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. And obviously this word dwell is to abide. Remember back in the third chapter of 1 John, and this is His commandment that we should believe on the name of the Son of God excuse me, on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. And he that keepeth His commandments dwelleth in Him, and He in Him, and hereby we know that He abideth, that he abideth in us by the Spirit which He hath given us. There is no evidence in Scripture that a believer will ultimately deny or reject Jesus as the Son of God. You say, what about Peter? Peter didn't ultimately deny or reject Jesus. He repented before he died. There's no evidence in the New Testament at any, any place where a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ ultimately denies and rejects Jesus as the Son of God. 
The Scriptures constantly affirm that the people of God confess Jesus as the Son of God and abide in Him and in the Father. Let's go back to the Gospel of John and we'll run through some verses quickly for time's sake. Some of them we've already looked at, but I want us to look at it again and I want to uh, uh, bring this to our attention. Let me read it again. The Scriptures constantly affirm that the people of God confess Jesus as the Son of God and abide in Him and the Father. First of all, John 6, verses 44 and 45. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day, as it is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh to me. John chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, that is, they follow the shepherd. For they know his voice, and a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Drop down to verse uh, 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. John 14, <clears throat> verse 21 through 26. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, Not his carrot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which hath sent me. Which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, yet being present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. John sixteen thirteen. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. John 17, verses 15 through 20. 
I pray not that thou wouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. And we could read many other passages that affirm that the people of God confess Jesus as the Son of God and abide in Him and in the Father. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we thank You for Your salvation, that it is sure, it is steadfast, it is in You, and it is by Your power and the operation of Your Holy Spirit which work effectually in us that believe. We thank You that Your Word is true. And we do not have to depend on some philosophy, precept, or belief formed by man. But we believe Your Word. Thank You for the truth that is in Christ Jesus, in whom we pray. Amen.